chapter 55, as we continue to look at the purpose of God's Word, why our church and everything that we do is centered around the teaching of God's Word. Last week we saw that the Word of God causes life where there is only death. We read about Ezekiel going into the valley of the dry bones and the Lord giving him a vision and him seeing all of the house of Israel there, dried bones, dead. And God told him to preach to the bones. He didn't say, like I pointed out last week, let me bring the bones to life, then you preach to them so that they might can get saved. Instead, he instructed Ezekiel to preach to dry bones and as he preached, the bones came together. The flesh was put on. The breath of life came into them. And so what is being instructed to us is that as we listen and hear the word of God preached, it brings life into our hearts, into our minds, into our bodies. This word is life. The first sermons that we did, we learned that the scripture is absolutely trustworthy. So what we do is we put our life on the foundation of this rock of scripture so that we can learn about the Lord and that we might live. So I'm going to begin reading today in Isaiah chapter 55, and we're going to learn about, last week we saw that the word of the Lord brings us to life. Today we'll see what the purpose of God's word is from first to last. Begin reading in verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the water, and the one who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come by milk and wine without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples, Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. Because the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. He can be found today. Seek him. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Today, we need to ask this question. You need to ask this question. Some of this is familiar to you. I'm sure you've read it about the Lord's ways being higher than our ways and that the Lord's word, whatever he sends it out for, it accomplishes that purpose. So the question we're going to ask today as we look at this passage is this. What is the thing for which he sent it? 
Verse 11, he says, My word accomplishes the thing for which I sent it. What did he send us his word for? Why do we have it? Well, one thing we see right off in Isaiah 55 is that the purpose of the scriptures are to give us an invitation. Three times he tells us to come here in the first few verses. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come. Sorry, I miscounted. There's four. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. This banquet that the Lord is having and inviting us to is absolutely free. You don't have to bring anything. Just come on, as you are. He's going to feed us. He's going to take care of us. The invitation is free. The purpose of the scripture is to give everybody here today an invitation. So fulfillment of the word of God this morning is to tell you you have an invitation to the Father's house. And I know that the Holy Spirit loves this invitation because he wrote it again. He said it twice. Revelation twenty two seventeen. If you go to the end of Revelation, don't get scared because it's Revelation. This is easy. This is the easy part of Revelation. Right at the end, the Lord writes this. Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Come and buy and eat. Come buy and milk and wine without price. He who desires to take the water of life let him have it without price. Same invitation he gives in Isaiah from first to last, from the prophets to the end of the word of God, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, to you, come. Don't bring anything. Just come. It's a gracious invitation. As we get through this passage, we'll see how gracious this invitation is. This is what God means when he says, my ways are higher than your ways, by the way. We're going to see in a minute. He is inviting every last person, no matter how bad, no matter what they've done, they can come without price and they can participate in the Lord's banquet. Four times the Almighty gives us that invitation. Jesus talks about it in his parable. He talks about it in one of his parables. He says, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Jesus told these parables based on lots of things he knew from the Old Testament. He says, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Big feast, given by the king, everybody's invited. But they all began to make excuses. Oh, don't do that this morning. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see to it. Please have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done. There is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges. Compel people to come in that my house might be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Everyone is invited. The Lord is eager to have his house filled. He is eager for us to enjoy the bounty of his table. No excuse will do. No thing in this world should keep us from Coming to the banquet of the Lord, and we all have these same excuses. You say, they really sound like silly excuses. Well, why aren't people at church on Sunday morning? Go ask them what their excuse is and see if it sounds as silly as the ones these people gave. Come to the Lord's banquet and feast that you might be made full. 
And the gracious invitation extends through verses 6 through 9 of Isaiah 55. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous his thought. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. This is not just a banquet for eating. This is a banquet for mercy and forgiveness. This is a banquet where God will pardon abundantly. So the invitation the Lord has given to us is, it is for eat and drink. It is. In the kingdom of heaven which is to come, we will sit and literally eat and drink at the Lord's table. We will fellowship with our family in heaven and we will eat and we will drink. We'll have a big toast to Jesus. It's going to be the best party that's ever been. We will eat and we will drink. But not only that, we will come as the fellowship of the redeemed, those whose sins have been forever forgiven. If only we will come. What do you think it means for his thoughts to not be our thoughts? Well, you just rejoice. I hope while I was preaching that you were getting all excited in your heart about the gospel. And you're like, yes, I'm going to come. I'm going to eat for free. I'm going to sit at Jesus' table. I'm going to talk to all these saints. I'm going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I'm going to see Jesus. And it's going to be amazing. And what kind of food it's going to prepare. And all the people thought, of all the Baptist potlucks, thought, I'm not even going to have to cook it. I'm just going to come to this big potluck. It's going to be great. And you're happy. Why does the Lord say, my thoughts are not your thoughts? Because you wouldn't invite the people God invited. A what? <laughs> Let's back up a second. This invitation's open to everybody. Let me ask you this. You ever been wronged by somebody personally? Slotted? Has anybody ever owed you money and didn't pay it back? Has anybody ever betrayed you and broke your heart? Has anybody ever done anything wicked and wretched to you? Maybe a father, a mother, an ex-spouse... Oh, Lord. Those are the people God invites to his banquet. Not because they've wronged you. We've all wronged him that way. We've all broken his heart. We've all rebelled against him. We come as sinners all. And to me and to you who have betrayed him, he says, Come to my banquet. And I will abundantly pardon. If you will repent, sit at my table. This is why his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts better than our thoughts. Because he is better than us. He is better than us. Because right now you can admit that, I hope. He is better than me. He is more gracious than me. He is more forgiving than me. He is less proud than me and he is God. Let me ask you this. What if you had the power of God... Against those who have wronged you. (laughs) Would your table be full of those who spurned you? Or would they be smoked to oblivion in hell without a chance? His thoughts are not our thoughts. See, that's why God says this. And if you read it, see what happens to us. We get so caught up in the gospel and we're saved and we're happy and we read it. And we think this is good, this is great. I don't understand why he says my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The reason he said that is because he says, I'm inviting a bunch of people who have wronged me to my table, and I'm going to abundantly pardon them, and I'm going to feed them and treat them like children. My thoughts are not your thoughts. It doesn't mean, oh, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, super mysterious, and you can't fathom them. While that's true, he's talking about something more simple here. He's talking about, I extend forgiveness to those who offend me. 
and I forgive those who offend me. And I do not judge by where they come from, what they look like, or what. Every single person has offended me, and I'm extending this offer to everyone. The purpose of God's word is an invitation for everybody. For everybody. Is the impulse of your heart the hope of restoration and forgiveness or vengeance? Because if the Lord wanted vengeance, which he will get, but if he wanted it, he would already have it. So the first purpose we see in Scripture is it gives everybody a gracious invitation. No sinner too great. The second thing we want to see here is that the purpose of the Scriptures are to reveal the Messiah. During the feast of Passover in John chapter 7, Jesus was standing outside the temple and in the middle of the feast, he lifted up his voice and cried out on, the, on this feast. He stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He's alluding to Isaiah 55. Why would Jesus do that? Look at verses 3 through 5 of Isaiah 55. English is bad. With the word you. It's bad in other ways too. We, you're lucky you, most of you here were born speaking this language because it is a mess. And the word you has been fixed in southern because we have a plural you and it's called y'all and everyone should adopt it. It would certainly help in our Bible translations because right here you may not notice something. Verse 5 he says, Behold you shall call a nation that you do not know. And As you read that word, you do not know, you might think he's talking about Israel, going to make buddies with another nation, because that's how you works in English. But interestingly enough, if you look at this in Hebrew, that you is not plural. It's singular. He's saying you. And not only is it singular, I'm going to tell you a little more nerdy stuff, because I had to pay a bunch of money at seminary to learn all this, and I'm going to give it to you for free, because that's what servants do. This is second masculine singular. He's talking to a dude, because he could have said it to a woman. He says, you, dude, are going to call a nation that did not know you, and they're going to run to you. He's going to make him a commander and a master. And then in verse five, uh, 6, he says, seek Yahweh, the Lord, while he may be found. Who's the you that he's talking to? This is like the Sunday school question. It's Jesus. God is speaking through Isaiah the prophet, the leader and the commander of the peoples, the sure steadfast love of David. What did God promise to David? I will give to you a man who will sit on the throne forever in the increase of his government. There shall be no end. That's Isaiah. I'll just jump around in the prophets because that's what the New Testament writers did. This is Jesus. He's saying... I am going to send to you to do all of these things, to get this banquet ready. I am sending to you the sure and steadfast promise of David. And then he turns to talk to the sure, steadfast promise of David, the descendant of David, Jesus Christ. We just celebrated this on Christmas. And he says, you're going to call for a nation that did not know you. And look, in the Jewish world, there's two nations. There's Jews and not Jews. And so... Generally speaking, when he says you're going to call to a nation that he did not know, if you're not Jewish, he's talking to you. Jesus is going to go save people who are not Jewish too. 
And he's going to give them the invitation. Whoa, God's ways are higher than our ways. The Jewish people are in this. He's not only inviting sinners, he's calling the Gentiles. He's inviting everybody. Like literally everybody is invited to this feast. So the purpose of the scripture is to reveal the invitation, but it's to reveal it comes through the Messiah. It's a reference to Jesus the Messiah. When he says, seek the Lord while he may be found... Call upon him while he is near. Hey, he's near now. He's here today. The invitation is for you, Gentile, this morning. That the great Jewish Messiah, Jesus, King of Israel, is extending an invitation to us to join his people forever. To sit at his table and Abraham will call you son. Sarah will call you daughter. (laughs) They'll own you as their children. There will be no distinction between Jew or Greek or slave or free. Male or female, it won't make any difference. Come through Jesus, the Messiah. The purpose of this scripture is to reveal to us the Messiah. And God ain't selling salvation. It is not for sale. Salvation is not for sale. It's for free. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. Nothing you can do can ingratiate you to God. Nothing. You must come on His terms and you must come free. So come now. Because there's a feast here. I'm enjoying it right now. A banquet where the King of kings and Lord of lords will pardon every guest of all their sins. Make them sons and daughters. And like the prodigal son, he got prodigal daughters too. Just so you know. He'll put the robe on you. He'll put his ring on you, and he'll kill the fatted calf for you, and he looks for you to come home every day. He is good. And that's the gospel for everybody. So now we come to the big question that I started the sermon with. What is the thing for which God sent his word? What is the purpose of God's word? It's for an invitation. It's for salvation, but... It's for your joy. He wrote this to give you joy. Verse 11 says, But it shall accomplish that for which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy. (laughs) The purpose of the scriptures is to bring joy. You shall go out in joy and be led forth. Peace, the scripture, is a gift for our joy and for our peace. He says in the prophet Malachi chapter 4, I love this. But for you who fear my name. I hope that's you. But for you who fear my name. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go forth again and skip about like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. Skip about like calves, loose from the stall. Oh, don't you all know what that means? <laughs> We're not quite the farmers that they used to be, so I'll tell you what he's talking about here. During the wintertime, you have to put these calves up in the stall, or after a calf is born, you leave it in the stall there to make sure the mom accepts it, make sure it's feeding good, make sure it gets its feet under it, so... If it needs to run from predators, it can. And so the first time you let a calf out of a stall from the wintertime, you, you don't believe me. Everything can be verified today by Google. 
Go Google spring calf coming out of a stall. And what you will see is the funniest thing you've ever seen. Those calves jump out and they discover America. They're jumping around in circles, kicking like a bull in a rodeo, just jumping all over the place. Look, there's something outside the stall. It's a big old world out here. I'm so excited. And it's funny because in a big farm, it let out a bunch at once, and there's these calves are jumping around everywhere and frolicking. And the Lord God said, on that day, <laughs> you think this world's big and awesome and good. He's going to open the door to heaven. You're going to walk through. You'll be jumping around like a skipping calf. It's going to be crazy. We're all going to act like fools, for Christ's sake. We're going to look like David dancing before the ark of God. And for maybe some of you the first time, you won't even care what the person next to you thinks about it. <laughs> we all got our problems. In that day, you won't have them so much. You're going to be so glad to be in the Lord's house. And the wicked will be like ashes under the sole of our feet. Paul said this in Romans. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. (laughs) Praise God. The Lord is good and gracious and kind. He's not just saving us to be sad. He's saving us so we'll have joy. Every time we remember our sins and our trespass against him, it does make us sad. But the sadder you get, the greater your joy can be. Because you know, all my trespasses have been abundantly pardoned. All of them. They are cast as far as the east is from the west. They're into the sea of forgetfulness. That's great to know that there's a sea of forgetfulness. Our God knows everything, but he does forget something. He forgets that you sinned. Forget about it. It's gone. That's the purpose of this scripture is to bring us that kind of joy. To remind us that we have an invitation to give to the world. To come to this banquet. There's no... Reserve on that. It's everybody come. The purpose of the scripture is to reveal that this invitation comes through the Messiah. That we are the nations that he has called. That he's looked to. To sit at Abraham's table. And the purpose of this scripture is to bring you joy. And joy overflowing. Remember Jesus said. Whoever comes to me. Out of him will flow rivers of living water. You won't be able to contain your joy. Your cup will runneth over. And as you go around, it'll be splashing on other people. (laughs) They'll say, where is this joy and happiness this person has coming from? It's because of Christ and the great feast that has been prepared for us. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have joy in the gospel through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the purpose of the scripture. And why we must never abandon it. Is because these are the things. Which it teaches. This is why Jesus said. As I read earlier. You search the scriptures. Because you believe that in them. You have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. If you're reading the scripture. And you're not finding Jesus in them. You're wasting. Your, you're not reading it right. This entire book. Is a joyful acknowledgement. That the son of God. Is coming to save us. And everyone who loves him and repents of their sin will be saved by him forever and ever and be in his family. So today, here's the invitation. You can be saved and accept this invitation, by the way. Come to the banquet. Feast on Christ every day. And have the joy of his fellowship. And walk with him in the Spirit. And you have joy all the days of your life. 
Your whole life will be like a skipping calf out of the stall. And people will see. And other people will be attracted, be like a city on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. Who's, we don't put our lights under the bushel basket. We let everybody see it, right? Get happy in Jesus. That's what we're called to. Work for the joy that we have in Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray this morning you will help us. Help us have the joy that you have appointed for us. Help us to understand the forgiveness that is ours in Christ. That every sin we've done, no matter what, there are some big-time sinners in here today, Lord, amongst who I am chief. We can get rid of all of those by coming to Jesus. Help us to repent and help us to follow Christ with all of our heart and help us to live our days joyfully worshiping the King who made it possible for us to be saved. Bless us and keep us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'll please stand, we're going to sing a song. If you do not know Jesus this morning, here's an invitation. Repent of your sin and go to Christ and die. Call out his name. Call upon the name of the Lord and he will be saved. Follow Jesus. He will save you. He will take you in. He will feed you and hug you and take care of you. If you don't have a church home or you have a church home, if you're interested in joining this one, I'd love to speak to you about what that takes. As we sing, this is an opportunity to think about what we've heard from God's Word.